Hello, and thank you for connecting with us here at Oasis Online. If this ministry is an encouragement to you, I would love to hear from you. Would you send me an email at pastor at obclv.org? I hope you enjoy the service today and that God would speak directly to your heart. It's been a good morning thus far. We are jumping into, or we're going to continue in on the series, The Forgotten Ones. And so uh, we're going to be in John chapter 18 this morning. And I'll get there in a few moments. We're going to be speaking on Pilate. And Pilate was the fifth appointed governor of Judea who ultimately authorized the crucifixion of Jesus. He was a man who was known to be arrogant. He was a man that was proud. He was a man who was very cynical. He was a man that he held the position of governor for roughly 10 years. And as much as he was arrogant, as much as he was proud, as much of all of those things that it was recorded in history that he was, one of the things that is also known is that he was a man who we might call weak. A man who was very, uh, very he, much, he wavered a lot. He was a man who would make decisions oftentimes based on really how it would impact and affect him more so than what needed to be done. He was a weak man. He was a man who was skeptical. This was a man who uh, certainly had disdain and hatred for the Jews. He hated them. And with his arrogance and with his pride and with his cynical attitude, he did as much as he could to be a bother. He did as much as he could to, uh, to uh, cause hurt and cause pain to the Jewish people. One of the first things, I, I kind of did some study this week and just really extra biblical things that are outside of the, the biblical knowledge of what we would understand Pilate to be. And as we looked at that, or as I looked at that, I looked at several different articles and several different pieces, and there was three things that every single one of them mentioned. One of them was when he first, shortly thereafter, he became the governor, he went back into the region that he was uh, governing, and he, he went in, and he went to Jerusalem, and he went into those towns, and he began to put pictures up of King and of, of Caesar, just to shove it in the, the side, so to speak, of the Jewish people. Knowing that they would not bow down to Caesar, knowing that they would religiously, they would have a problem with all of those things. And obviously the Jews began to rise up and the Jews began to kind of come at him. And he thought that he could pull his armies together and they would go in. And he did not realize he kind of under he he misunderstood or he just wasn't prepared for the fight that the Jewish people were willing to have. They were willing to die for what they believed in. And so eventually he came after about four to six weeks, it says that he went back in and he took all of those portraits and all of those sculptures and all of those things, he began to take them out. But he did one other thing and he came back and he was, the governor was overseeing all of the the finances and all of those things. So he went into the temple money and he he began to take out money and he began to build aqueducts all the way around and and the Jews again rose up, what are you doing with God's money? And, And he they begin to question, they begin to rise up, and again, this time, Pilate had a little more insight. He understood a little bit more of the people that he was dealing with, and this time when they went into fight, and the Jews were coming out in droves, and they were, they were again ready to, to stand up for what was right, and stand up, he had put his army in and amongst the crowd, 
dressed just as regular people, and he began to slaughter people that way. And this was the man that Pilate was, but yet there were so many other things around his life that he was, he was weak. He did not have the backbone to stand up for the things that he knew to do as right because it would affect or impact his personal political situation. And we come to a man, we come to a situation in John chapter 18. It's also in every other gospel, in, in all of the gospels. The trials of Jesus, where Jesus is coming to trial and Jesus is sentenced. And this morning, for sake of time, I'm not going to read all of those, but I'm going to paraphrase over the next couple minutes kind of the trial and the sentencing of Jesus. And I'm going to do it around a couple things. And I want you to, to stop and I want you to pay attention a little bit because multiple times throughout this trial, Pilate had some decisions to make. And Pilate also had an understanding of what was right and what was wrong, just like all of us do in everyday life. But Pilate also had to make some decisions. And if we go through this passage of Scripture, or not the passage of Scripture, we'll get there in a minute, but as we go through kind of this paraphrase, I guess you would, of the story of the, the trial of Pilate and the sentencing of, of Pilate with, to Jesus, we're going to see over and over where Pilate began to say, Hey, I don't, this, this doesn't add up. But yet we ultimately see at the end, what did he do? He still sent an innocent man to a cross. Because he didn't have the backbone, he didn't have the willingness to stand up and do the things that he knew to be right. So we see there at the very beginning that Jesus was brought and he was bound, he was brought to Pilate bound by the Sanhedrin. Or it says the multitude of people, which we assume to be, or they, the, the historians would say there's roughly 70 men that brought him and they led him from Caiaphas early on in the morning, roughly 6 o'clock in the morning or earlier. And based on the Jewish law, it says that they brought him to the praetorium. And here's what's always funny to me. They were so concerned about the Jewish law that they would not take him any further because they, were, they would be considered unclean. And they have the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. They have Jesus who had done absolutely nothing. And they were so concerned about the Jewish law, their religious stances, that they walked him to a place and they said, here you go, because we can't go any further because we would be considered unclean. They take him to Pilate. Pilate comes out and he grabs Jesus and he says, what accusations do you bring this man for? Why are you bringing him to me? In the gathering, they respond and they say, if, if, it, if he were not evil, he wouldn't be here. Pilate then again, re remember, Pilate responds again. What does he say? You're like, I don't know because I don't have the passage of Scripture in front of me. He says this. Why don't you judge him? You have the authority to judge this man. You judge him. Because I don't have, there's, why are you bringing him to me? So he again, he says back that you judge him. I do not, basically he's saying this, I don't want to get in the midst of your religious debates, to your religious arguments. And they say we can't by law put him into death. Because they could not crucify him. And it says, as the saying of Jesus would not be fulfilled, they found him to have done three things. There was sedition and perverting of the nation and that he would not pay his taxes and that he was saying that he was a king. So Pilate steps back in and he begins to question Jesus. And he asks Jesus, Jesus, are you the king of the Jews that they are saying that you are? 
And this is great. Jesus shoots back and he says, let me ask you this. Are you asking me because you care or are they having you ask me? And he continues to respond in John 18, which we'll see shortly. And he says a couple words and he says this. I am here, but I am coming to bear witness of the truth. I am coming to bear witness of the truth. And Pilate later on says, what is truth? That's going to be the title of this morning's message, What is Truth? But as we continue on, it was here that we see now a second time, Pilate says, there is no reason for him to be here. There is nothing wrong with Jesus. Pilate comes to his own conclusion again that nothing was wrong. That he had done nothing wrong. Pilate, unsure of what to do. Think about this. Pilate is standing. Pilate is a judge. I I could figure this and I can see this in our own country right now. There is a judge that's sitting and there is a roaring of crowds of people behind them saying, no, you have to do this, you have to do this, you have to do this, regardless of what's right, wrong, or indifferent. And there is Pilate standing in front of a crowd of people that is getting larger and larger and that more rumblings are coming from the, the, from the ground up and it's getting louder and louder and the, the, the antithesis or the, the thought behind it is that we need to put this, we need to kill this man. We need to do something with this man. And he says, but he's done nothing wrong. And so Pilate comes back with this thought. And he remembers in the back of his mind, ah, I have an out. I have a way to get out of this. And he says, I can go and I can pull this horrible, heinous, horrific man, Barabbas, and I can go get Barabbas, and I can bring him, and I can put the two of them together, and surely they would let Jesus go because he has done nothing in comparison to Barabbas. Surely. And so Pilate goes, and he, in his mind, he knows that he could let this man free because they would no way take Pilate. In the midst of all of that going on, Men, we see this. We see Pilate's wife come into the scene and say, Pilate, and I don't we don't know exactly. They they there's different things. If she sent a letter, if she sent somebody up to him. But she says, Pilate, uh, I've been up all night having a dream. And it is driving me nuts. It is hurting me. And you you need not have anything to do with the innocence of this man. You need to step away. You you need to get away from this. This man has done nothing, and this is driving me crazy. Man, have you ever had your wife say something to you, and you're like, oh, it'll be okay. I'm just going to keep pressing on to know that you should have listened. Pilate goes back. Because he had in his mind that I can can send Barabbas. And he goes, okay, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to let them know I'm going to scourge this man. I will scourge Jesus. I will put him in pain. I will put that crown of thorns on his head. We will do all this and then we will let him go. He has been punished enough. But I know that he's innocent. Pilate goes through this process. And he puts the two men together, and we know the story. And what do they begin to say? The crowd begins to scream out, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. All the while, Pilate in the back of his mind is saying what? This man has done nothing wrong. He states it publicly. 
He says, I will wash my hands of this, for he has done nothing. He is innocent. There is nothing. I do not want any part of this death. Well, the reality is this. Pilate had already taken it too far when he should have stopped it long ago. Because he knew what was right. This morning, I go through all of this because... As we look through Scripture, and I would, I'll, I'll give you those passages. Matthew 27, if you're interested. Mark 15, Luke 23, and John 18 are all of the passages right here of Jesus going before Pilate. So it's Matthew 27, Mark 15, Luke 23, and John 18. But as I've stated, Pilate had made up his mind that Jesus had done nothing, on, nothing wrong. He did not want to be involved in this religious battle. The Jewish crowd in regards to the trial of Jesus so... He did all that he could. He said, I even sent him to Herod. He calls all the people together and he says, listen guys, I've done everything. I have, I have, tried, I have, I have argued with this man. I've fought with this man. I've tried to figure it out in front of you. We've found nothing. We send him to Herod. They send him back. We've, sent him, we've done all of these things. But he continues to press. He continues to press. This morning as we get into the points, as we get into the message, Pilate knew Certain things were right and wrong. Pilate tried to do everything that he could to step away from the situation, to step away from the innocent man. But in the end, he knew. He knew he was innocent. But what was he afraid of? He was afraid of this. If I take this man and I say he is innocent and I let him go, it's not about his life. What was it ultimately about? It was about Pilate's life. Pilate knew that his political career was done. Pilate knew most, more importantly even than his political career, his life was probably over if he lets this man go. Listen, this morning, you might go, where does this have to do with anything about the forgotten ones? And listen, this morning, here's where I'm going with this, and I pray that it all comes together. But my thought is this. Each and every one of us this morning, most often in our lives, know right from wrong. Whether you know Jesus Christ as your Savior or you do not know Christ as your Savior, Pilate did not know Jesus as Lord and Savior. It is made very clear when he says, what is truth? He did not know Christ as Savior. But inside of every one of us is a conscience that tells us right from wrong. Pilate knew there was innocence. Pilate knew that he was right. Pilate knew all of those things. But here's the thing this morning that all of us do so many times, and I say all of us because that's me included, I, I do the same exact thing. I know what to do, but sometimes I'm not strong enough to stand to do it. I look at a country in which we live and there was a group of people several 200 plus years ago who decided this is how we're going to be and this is, this is the country that we're going to raise up. And we were founded on godly principles. But I look back now a couple hundred years later and here's the reality. We didn't get where we are because millions and millions of people stood up for the beliefs of what we were founded on. We got where we are because millions and millions and millions of people said, well, it'll be okay that time. I will vote because I don't like that person or I don't like this person, not because of the principle or the standards. I will do this, I will do that, and I, it, it will all be okay in the end. We allow what we know to do is right, and we in our minds go, well, ah, I got an out, and I'll pull Barabbas out. 
and certainly will let Barabbas go. And we do these things over and over. And the forgotten thing is this. Just people, you and I, standing up to stand up for right. The reality is this. You and I are forgotten. You and I are the forgotten ones. Doing right is no longer the right thing to do. Standing on God's word is definitely not the cool thing to do. But it is always right, regardless if you're forgotten or not. Pilate had a chance, and I've looked back at that this week. What would be different if Pilate would have said, you know what, this man is innocent, I know that he is innocent, and I am willing to stick my neck out on the line and say, no, this man did nothing and he will not be charged in my court. You can kill me and one of you can do it, but I will not do it. What if we lived our lives in that manner? This morning, John chapter 18, if you have your Bible open already, It would be on the screen. Oh. It is on the screen, that one. There's not one on that one, so I didn't think it was on. John chapter 18, verse 28. It says this, and we'll continue to verse 38. Then led they Jesus from Caiaphas unto the hall of judgment, and it was early, and they themselves went not into the judgment hall, lest they should be defiled, but that they might eat the Passover. Pilate then went out unto them and said, What accusation bring ye against this man? They answered and said unto him, If he were not a malefactor, we would not have delivered him up unto thee. Then said Pilate unto them, Take ye him and judge him according to your law. The Jews therefore said unto him, It is not lawful for us to put any man to death that the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spake, signifying what death he should die. I just find that comical. They were so worried that they could not put him to death based upon crucifixion, Jesus. But yet they stood in front of Jesus. Like, I, I oh, mind-boggled there. What was the commercial boom? Like, yeah. They were so worried about those things. But yet they were sitting in front of the king. Then Pilate entered into the judgment hall again and and called Jesus and said unto him, Art thou the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Sayest thou this thing of thyself, or did others tell thee of me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Thine own nation and the chief, chief priests have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Pilate saith unto him, What is truth? And when he had said... This he went out again unto the Jews and saith unto them, I find him, or I find in him no fault at all. Father, I ask you that you would use your word to pierce our hearts. I pray that you would just speak to us, challenge us, encourage us in your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. My first thought this morning is this it's that a simple warning signs. Warning signs. There are so many times that we have been given warning signs in our lives. Pilate was no different. From the very beginning, when Jesus was brought bound to him, he was questioned, and he was questioning the reason behind what was going on. 
As we press into this and press into the, the storyline and press into the history of this, there is no way in the world that Pilate did not know what was already taking place. Pilate was not walking. Jesus did not come into Pilate, and Pilate was like, whoa, who are you and why are you here? The Roman government, Pilate was very well aware that there was a man that was going to be coming. Pilate was very well aware of exactly what was about to take place. But here's what Pilate did not understand, and here's what maybe the others did not understand about Pilate. Maybe the one time that Pilate actually had a little bit of a backbone. Because, or backbone, because here's what Pilate was expected to do. Oh, okay, Jesus, boom, put him to death and get him out of here. But Pilate began to ask those questions. Pilate was given those warning signs, though he was pretty much put in place to be a rubber stamp. He was being used. He was a pawn, however you want to look at it. But Pilate, though he didn't just give in and say, oh, okay, here you go. You are guilty as charged. Go put him to death. He didn't heed to the different warning signs that were all around him. Think about, I said this earlier, our country. We got to where we are because of this exact way of living. Millions of people who knew and saw the red flags yet chose to just fly by. Jesus, or in God's word, uh, Paul wrote it in several different ways, and we've all seen it in several different things, but it says this in 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Many of you probably know this by heart. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. We are to be steadfast. We are to be unmovable. But that says what? That, that's in the, in the work of the Lord. That is in knowing Him. That is in, in serving Him. That is in honoring Him. Isaiah 40, 31, one that we all know. They will wait on the Lord. And those that stand firm We'll wait on the Lord and we'll what? It says that we would rise up, we would mount up on wings as eagles. That are people that would stand firm. That doesn't mean that things are going to be easy. That means that I am willing at all costs to heed the warning signs and I am going to stand because standing is the right thing to do. I say it all the time, if you've been around for any period of time, especially if you've been in meetings with us, uh, some of you leaders, one of the things that I strive to do is we will try the best of our ability to do the right thing. Standing up to do right is not easy, but it is right. And though Pilate did not know Jesus Christ, Though he was not a follower, though he was not a believer, he knew right from wrong and he chose not to do the right thing. In 2 Timothy 2 and 15, again a passage we often know or we all know, study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. How do we do this? How do I stand firm on the word of God? Listen to me. I will tell you. I will promise you. I will guarantee it to you. I will put money upon the table, whatever it would be. If you do not study to show God's word and to know God's word, that you can rightly divide the truth of God's word, you will not stand firm on God's word. You can't do it. I can't do it because I don't know it. I've said it before. I used to often think, I don't need to get into the weeds of the doctrines and the theology of so many things. How ignorant that I was. Because if I don't know the doctrines, if I don't know the theology, I'm definitely not knowing God in an intimate manner. 
I was that guy in theology class in college. I hated it. Because I hated listening to people on both sides of the aisle fight over things that we will never on this earth know. And I would get annoyed. So I said, you know what? I'm not having this argument. I'm going to know what I need to know for this test. And the more that I've studied God's words, and the more that I've studied God's word, and the more that I've studied God's word, I've sat here and I've gone, wow. But if I don't know it, then I truly don't know him. I need to know what justification, sanctification, and all of the cations are. I need to know those big theological words. Though I, I may not be a theologian and I may not be the wisest of whatever, but I need to know that. Why? Because if I don't know them, I truly don't know him. And I truly cannot stand firm the way that God has called for us to stand firm. It's important that we know God's word It's in that time of study. It's in our understanding that we would do that. And I believe with everything in me this morning, those that stand up and stand firm are completely forgotten today. Those who choose to heed to the warnings that are around you, those who choose to live a life according to the truths of God's word this morning, I promise you, you are forgotten. You, want, you will be alienated inside of a church building if you stand and take a stance on God's word, oftentimes. Sad, but it's true. I don't know how many times I've listened to people that have walked into a church building and said, it's been really hard to find somebody that just preaches the word of God. How do you go to a church and not be preaching the word of God? And I'm not saying that because I'm right. I'm not saying that because of our church. I'm not saying that. No, just period. How do you look for a church if you're not sure that they're standing up? It's forgotten. It's forgotten. We must heed the warning signs that are directly in front of us. And we do that by knowing the scriptures. The next thought this morning is a protective choice. Protective choices. This, to me, is one of the most dangerous things that I have found that I have done, and I feel that I've watched many others do around me. That I find myself in a situation that I would wrestle to do this or to do that. And so many times I've given in to different warning signs, or I've not given in, I guess you should say. And as a believer, maybe I've understood what I ought to do, but in the midst of that time I would say, well... It'll be okay if. I don't know how many times I've sat and watched a television show and I've laughed because it was funny knowing that I need to click the off button. But it will be okay. It, it'll be okay. The kids aren't in the room, right? We do so many different things in our lives where we, we, we wrestle back and forth as to what, what is appropriate, what is inappropriate. Would I do this or would I do that? And we think, well, uh, uh, and we go back and forth in our minds and we begin to wrestle and we can justify anything. I promise you, you can just about justify anything that you want to do. I can rip your throat up, down, left, right, whatever I want. I can verbally rip your throat up and down, do whatever I want, and then I can justify it somehow because I'm right to do so. We can justify anything. 
And as I look at Scripture and we go through these things, again, Pilate knew right from wrong. He knew that Jesus was innocent, but what did he do? He said, ah, I've got an out, and here's my out. I'm going to go over here because I know that Barabbas is here. And certainly the people would not accept Barabbas back into their culture. Certainly they would not allow him to walk free. This was a man that was a murderer. This was a man that most people, they say he was what we would call a terrorist. We cannot let him go back into the populace of people. We cannot do that. He is a terrorist. He's killed before. He will kill again. Who do you choose, Jesus or Barabbas? I can get myself out because I have this, I have this plan B back here. And so many times we live with the plan B. We live with knowing that I can, I can go so far, but I can have a plan B when things get to a point. I just wonder, what, stop this morning and just think with me. This is how I kind of rationalize and I think through even when I'm, pre- or when I'm preparing for my sermons. I, I go back and I like to think about what somebody might have been thinking. Pilate is standing before a crowd of people. Pilate has had a personal conversation with Jesus. They went back into the back room and I don't know if they stood. I don't know if, I don't know what happened. I don't know if Pilate had his little, uh, you know, his judge seat. If you've been in a courtroom, you kind of, they all, all rise. And then the judge kind of walks in with his robe and he sits down and clacks the thing. I don't know if Jesus was in front of him. I don't know what that took place or what was going on. But Pilate had a personal conversation with Jesus. And he begins to ask him questions. And he walks away from the conversation going, that man is innocent. Maybe he had this thought. If he is a king, Jesus said it. What did he say? If I were a king, my people would be fighting for me. You could not just walk up, especially in that day and age. You are not going to walk up. I'm not going to walk up to Andrew and be like, hey, dude, you're coming with me. Because the moment that I got within five feet of him, the men that were around him, the king, would destroy me. Try to walk up five feet of the president. What's going to happen? It's probably not going to end well. Why? Because he's powerful. Pilate had to be thinking in the back of his head when Jesus said, Hey, if I were a king here, uh, you'd be in trouble. They'd be fighting. People would be dying for me. As a matter of fact, maybe he said this, Hey, Pilate, do you know what happened over there? Because when they came to arrest me, One of my guys thought it would be cool to fight. And when he grabbed his sword and he cut the dude's ear off, I picked it up off the ground, I stuck it on his head, and I I didn't scold the man, I scold my guy. Maybe he looked at him and said, hey, uh, if this were something that I'm the king of this world here, I don't think that would have happened. And all of this is going on. It has to be. It has to be going on in Pilate's head. Man, this guy is, hey, Barabbas, Barabbas, come on. And he stands before these people, and he has to, in the back of his mind, he has to be going, oh, my, 
I know this guy. I know this Jesus has done absolutely nothing wrong. And this is one of the most wicked and heinous men that we have in this city. Surely they could not put this man to death. I don't know what was going through his head, but I'm thinking of, in my mind, going, man, I had a conversation with this guy. I've had a conversation with this guy. Man, when I sat down in front of this guy, I was afraid he was coming across my desk. This Jesus just stood there, said nothing, never raised a voice. But yet Pilate was given a little bit of a protection because of a choice that he had. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of here, sir. Could you imagine that? Standing before Pilate. Pilate asking him all these questions and Jesus just humbly with meekness and he just looks across the table and he looks at Pilate and he says, Sir, I'm just going to let you know that if my kingdom were here, men would be dying right now for my rescue. My kingdom is not of this world. Pilate, I am here for one reason and one reason only. I will bear witness of the truth. And Pilate leaves that situation and he walks in front of a crowd of people that are screaming. In the back of his mind, knowing that exact conversation. Maybe it was somewhere in there. Maybe Pilate, we don't know if Pilate ever came to know Christ. Some people say that he may have. Others said that he never did. We don't know, but maybe it was at that conversation that Pilate in his mind is going, no, this really is the king. Do you remember when, he was, when Jesus was on the cross and he hung his head and he said, it is finished, and some of the soldiers came up and he said, no, truly this was the Son of God. Maybe Pilate in this moment was saying, wow, truly this is the Son of God. Maybe truly this is the King of the Jews. We don't know, but he had one protection, or so he thought. That he could pull Barabbas. And he could let them go. I would ask you this morning. I would ask you this morning. When we look at all of these things. How often do you pull out that protective choice that you have? Where you might say, I know what is right. But I've got an out right here. I've got an out. Listen, everybody around us, most people will say, well, it's okay. It's acceptable. Hey, I understand why you were watching that. I understand why you said that. I understand why you acted that way. I understand why this. I, I, I get it. No, God, God says sin is sin. And right is right and wrong is wrong. And you and I are to to live and to stand fast and to stand firm. That is whether there's 20 people around or you're sitting by yourself. That is whether you're in front of a group of people or you're in front of your home and you're in front of your family at home. We are to live a certain way, not to have to go, well, I hope that this plan B will work out so that nobody accuses me of doing this or doing that. Jesus came 
to preach. In Matthew 4.23, Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in the synagogues. And what did it say? And preaching the gospel of the kingdom. That is why Jesus came. Jesus proclaimed the truth about God. He proclaimed the truth about men. He proclaimed the truth about sin, about judgment, about holiness, about love, about life. And Peter says it this way in 2 Peter 1, 3 and 4. According as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him. Again, going back to knowing and studying God's Word through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue. He's given us all the things that pertain to life. Pilate stood before all the people having this as his, what was in the back of his mind. Having had those conversations, knowing that this man was innocent. What if we stopped with the protective choices in our lives and began to stand on the Word of God? What if we quit saying you know, have you ever had the conversation where a teacher at school calls you parents? And the first thing that comes to your mind is not what your child did, but that it was somebody else's child? Or that it was the teacher's fault? What if we stopped saying that it was somebody else's fault and we dealt with our children? What if we stopped saying that it was somebody else's fault and we dealt with ourselves? What if we got serious with what was on our TV at home? What, would we, what if we got serious with the electronics that our children are playing or that we are on? What if we got serious with the computer? What if we got serious about God's Word and the principles of God's Word and we begin to stand firm on what God's Word says is right and we did the right thing? Listen, I promise you today, you, the one that are standing on God's Word, are completely forgotten in the society in which we live because I can justify anything that I want to do. And somebody will say, it's okay, pastor. I understand why you chose to do that. No, I understand that sin is sin and we must do the best that we can to stay away from sin. God's word says that we would flee. What did David do in the midst of the adulterous situation? He fled. He ran. Not David. Joseph, sorry. David did not run. He ran the wrong way. Edit. No, but Joseph did what? He ran. What did it cost him? It cost him prison. It cost him things. Why? Because he chose to do right. Listen, this morning, it will cost you if you choose to do right. But I will promise you this. There's no greater way to lay your head down at bed at nighttime than knowing that you chose to do right. You won't be perfect. None of us are. But I'm going to strive to live my life to be more like Christ. Because He is who I'm trying to emulate. Nobody else. Lastly, this morning is the question, what is truth? The last point is key. It is vital because I believe it is, it is this. It's this that is what... Many people are asking today. You know, we've got a group of people that are so confused in our world. Our society, our culture is so confused, they don't know if you can say man or woman. I'm not saying that to be comical. I'm not saying that to jump into politics. I'm just saying that's the culture in which we live. We don't know if we're able to call you a man or a woman. 
We live in a culture that does not know what truth is. And nor do they want to know what truth is. Because if there is no truth, if there is no truth, then the truth comes and rests where? Right here. And I can choose what is right and what is wrong for me. And I can make that decision. We know in the depths of who we are what is right and wrong. But Jesus said, I'm here to bear witness of the truth to which Pilate says, what is truth? I wonder how the story would change if Pilate truly knew the truth. And today as we conclude this morning, I want to just share briefly. This last point could probably be weeks and weeks of a sermon as to what truth is. But in our culture, and I say our culture, but we can't forget We may not even live in the most wicked of cultures that have ever lived on this earth. We may not. That's sad. But it's also the amazing grace of God that we are still here. The mercy that God has given to us. It is tragedy, the fall of man's rejection of God. Without God, there cannot be any absolutes. Listen to this real quick. Without God, there cannot be any absolutes. Without absolutes, there can be no objective, universal, normative truth. Truth becomes subjective, relative, pragmatic. Objectivity gives way to subjectivity. Timeless, universal principles become mere personal or cultural preferences. Think about that. I'm going to say that again. Without God, there can be no absolutes. Without absolutes, there can be no objective, universal, normative truths. Truth becomes subjective, relative, pragmatic. Objectivity gives way to subjectivity. Timeless, universal principles become mere personal or cultural preferences. And Pilate was facing this exact same thing as you and I do today. What is truth? I believe with everything in me, if Pilate knew the truth of who God was, he would never say, yes, that man is going to go before you. Pilate would have stopped long before and he would have said, absolutely not. This man is innocent and I will not continue to press forward. We would hope that he would do that. If I were to ask you what truth is in your life, how would you describe it? If I were to ask you who Jesus Christ is, how would you answer me? Because ultimately that is the truth that we come to one way or the other. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life according to John 14, 6. The truth is that Jesus loves you. The truth is that Jesus died for you. The truth is that Jesus rose again for you. The truth is that Jesus paid a debt that you cannot pay for yourself. That Jesus Christ longs to be in relationship with you. You might say this, but pastor, my life is a mess. I've done so many things wrong. I've heard it so many times that people have stood in front of me and they've said, but I believe that Jesus is who He says He is. 
I believe that, that this Jesus is what you are telling me that this Jesus is, but, but let me get my life straight, and then I will give myself to Jesus. Let me get all of these things in order, and then I will, I will begin to come to church. Let me do all of this, and then let me do this. No, listen, listen, listen. It's not about let you do anything, because you cannot correct any of your sinful problems. Jesus, and only Jesus, paid on the cross the blood that was shed, and only the blood that was shed can cover cover any of the sin that we have that is the truth the mess that we live in the problems that we live in with man who says i don't know if it's a man or if it's a woman and i don't know if it's this or if it's that here's the reality that is called sin that is called a broken world in which we live and they don't know any different why because they've never came to a place where they've gotten under the blood of jesus christ where they can sit down and they can say it's not about anything that i have done but all about what he has done the truth is i am fallen the truth is i am broken the truth is i I can do nothing to correct any of my problems. And as we come to a place, Jesus did not scream all of that, though I'm sure he could have. Jesus says this. He said, would you just come to me? All of you who are weary and heavy laden, come to me and I will, I'll give you rest. Hey, we fight with it. Listen, we fight with it. We know truth and we fight with it. I've sat in church my entire life and I have fought with truth my entire life because I am a man who is born into sin. Yes, I am a man that has been washed clean. Yes, I believe that I have been uh, set free. Yes, I believe that I stand before God righteous. I stand before God, a child of God. But in my flesh, I fight it daily. In my flesh, I battle it every day. In my flesh, I will fail. But it is the truth of God. What does His Word say? What does His Word say? John 8 Then said, 31 and 32, Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, again going back to the knowledge of God, then are ye my disciples indeed. And here's what it says, and this is so powerful. And ye shall know the truth, and we all know it, and the truth shall make you free. It's the truth that sets us free. It's the truth that gives me freedom. It's Jesus Christ that gives me that. This morning, it is in belief, it is in constant searching and desire to know Him in the Scripture, and in that, the truth will be revealed and continually revealed, thus setting us free. We don't need to live in bondage. You don't need to question whether something is right or something is wrong. You don't need to do those things. It's in the the truth of God's Word will set us free. It is our desire to be set free. Nobody wants to be living in prison. Nobody wants to live bound in shackles. Jesus came to set the captive free. And that captive is me. And that captive is each and every one of you. The Bible says, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. This morning, I'm going to ask you this question. Would you allow the truth to set you free? Would you allow the truth to break the bonds of sin in your life? Would you allow truth to set you free? Maybe you sit here this morning and you would say, Pastor, 
I've heard of Jesus. I know many of the stories. I know religion. But I've never accepted truth. Maybe this morning you would sit here and as a believer in God, you would say, Pastor, if I were to be honest, I don't give heed to the warning signs that are around me enough. And I have too many plan B's. I have too many protective choices that allow me to get away and do the things that I want to do because I can make an excuse and I can make a reason as to why I'm doing them. And this morning you would say, you know what? I want to be one of the forgotten ones who is going to strive to live steadfast. I'm going to strive to be unmovable. I'm going to strive to be unchanging. I am not going to be, as it says in Psalms 1, what does it say? That they would be planted by the, the rivers of the water, that they would, they would sprout, they would grow in deep, and they wouldn't toss, be tossed to and fro. They wouldn't be, be wavered around. They would be firmly set. You would say, I'm, I'm going to be that. Thank you for worshiping with us here at Oasis Online. If this message was an encouragement to you, would you send me an email and let me know at pastor at obclv.org. Before you go, go check us out at oasisbaptistchurch.org. And if we can be of any help to you or an encouragement to you, please let us know. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day.